Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Actually, serving is what I wanted to share with you guys this morning. Uh, what's in my heart? There's so many things. Noe, Noe asked, Pastor Noe said, hey, do you want to share something about the trip this morning after we got here when service started? And I was like, yeah, what am I going to share? Because there's so many things uh, that were awesome about the trip. And uh you know, there were three specific things that I felt like the Lord um, really took us on this mission trip for, and uh, they were really good. If you don't know, we just got back from Brazil this week. We came back Wednesday, and I look nice and refreshed today, and I'm really excited about that, but uh, like Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, there were groups of hours where I looked dead, so there was also that. <laughs> so I'm glad to be refreshed and ready to worship with you guys this morning. Um, something interesting just that I wanted to share from our trip uh, just with the opportunity is uh, how cool it was to go back after so many years. Um, and one of the things that the Lord did was just uh, reestablish our covenant with the church that we have down there. It was really neat. Um, it was really a beautiful thing that we got to do. We, we haven't actually, we haven't been down there in a lot of years. We, we were figuring, we, we decided we have to look at pictures that are so old that we can't find them on our phone. So, <laughs> because they're that old uh, to figure out how long it's been since we've been in Brazil. Uh, but we figured that Noe and I started going probably about 20 years ago, and the last time we went was probably about 15 years ago. So this was our first trip back, and um, I was just so grateful for how faithful God is um, just to bring us back to a place where we received so much blessing and so much was poured into us, um, and we were able to begin to... uh, not begin to learn to serve, but to continue to serve. Um, if you don't know, we, we actually lived in Brazil for three months before we started um, as full-time missionaries, which we continued doing for a couple years after that. Um, in the early two, mid-2000s, it was mid, mid to late 2000s. Um, and anyways, uh, but it's been a lot of years since we've been on a mission trip. But what was so cool about going back, um, probably one of my very favorite things, was uh, seeing the people that 15 years ago, I feel like, I mean, I don't remember sweeping floors, but just for the sake of giving you a visual, I feel like we were just in the church sweeping the floors. Like, that's what we were doing. That's how we were serving. Um, and we were just being faithful to serve um, just however was needed. We were just being faithful to God doing whatever he asked, you know, and I feel like that's, you know, doing the things that we do here, you know, like, I mean, I wasn't even like getting, I wasn't even being like small group leader, you know, I I didn't get to teach children's church a lot, you know, that wasn't something that was happening. I was literally doing like the sweeping of the floors. I I didn't even qualify, I don't think, to be a greeter in their church down there, (laughs) you know, and so we got to minister to people. Um, We got to go to their weekend retreats and just serve in the, in the most menial seeming kinds of ways. But we served alongside others who, when we went back this year, we were able to see, and, and we knew um, a lot of the people in the church had, um, had become leaders, uh, but people who, who we were just sweeping the floors with are now pastors and the Lord's brought us and made us pastors and they're leaders in the church. And God has just been so faithful that as we've continued to serve, that's what I'm getting at, as we've continued to serve and just do what God has called us to do, he has uh, raised us up and brought us to a place where we can continue to be faithful and continue to encourage others to just be faithful in what God has given you. And um, a scripture that got put on my heart during the trip, and I didn't get to share, so I'm going to share it this morning with you, um, 
is just from Zechariah 4.10. Um, and he just kept reminding me, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. And so I just praise God for that, that he rejoices in everything that every single one of us do. And so I just wanna encourage you in that this morning, that if you feel like, hey, I don't do enough or hey, I should do more, you know, and that's not God's calling on you to do more right now. You're just supposed to be serving where you're supposed to be serving, right? You just need to do what you, what you said you're going to be faithful to do. Don't, don't let the devil hate on you and say, you're not important. You're insignificant. Every single person's part in the church matters. You coming, you encouraging those who are sitting around you, that matters. Do not despise small beginnings. The Lord rejoices in your work. And so I just want to encourage you to continue on with that. And I just want to thank God because none of us had any idea where he would take us. None of us had any idea what he wanted to do in our lives. Never did we dream 15 years ago when we left Brazil for the last time that uh, Pastor Fernando and Pastor Patricia would be, first of all, even married because she was, he was chasing her at that time and she was like, please leave me alone and giving all of his gifts away to the kids. But now they're married and they have two kids and they're leading the church down there. And so anyways, it's just a beautiful thing to see what the Lord has done as people have been faithful. And so I want to thank God for that. And I just want to give uh, praise and honor to him for allowing us um, to go back and to uh, be a part and to rejoin in the reestablishing of this covenant with the church down there um, and be a part of what's to come um, in the future. So thank you. Where do we start? Um, We thank you for allowing us the opportunity to go to Brazil I think God is just continually revealing to us that he is really in control of all of it. Um, I think the, the times that we feel like we're in control, I think sometimes we got to relinquish that and realize that it's really God that uh, enables, that sins, that holds the whole church together. And, you know, we were glad that uh, we didn't get all kinds of reports of the whole church falling apart in the, it, from our vacation time to the time in Brazil, that, that God was good in just providing leaders and oversight and pastoral staff. All of the things were covered, and um, I thank God for that because what it enables Becky and I to do is truly hear the voice of God and be fully obedient to it. You know, there's a lot of times we preach and we teach and we edify and we encourage and we, and and I commission you every single week to say, whatever God leads you to do, go and do it. Be obedient to what he's speaking to you. And, you know, so Becky and I, we had the opportunity to receive uh, our own encouragement to do what God was calling us to do and go into Brazil. And I shared a little bit before we left for the trip that, uh, Man, this trip was just different. I've been invited on many other trips. There's always opportunities for me to go on trips and missions. Uh, um, we mar- I married into a missions family. I was a missionary, and uh, I believe deep down there are still min- uh, missionary roots in our heart, and I don't think that that will ever go away. Um, but in, in the timing of God, we have to realize that he knows what he's doing. You know, I think leading up to this trip, um, 
not that I felt like God was completely done with missions, but I just felt like, hey, we're responsible to lead a church and we're responsible to focus here in the U.S. And, um, and I really think I felt like, Lord, I can't do both. And I think prior to going on this trip, God really spoke to me and said, I'll show you how to do both. I'll enable you to do both. And I thank God for what he's doing, what he's building here at Harvest Time Church. But I want us to be a people who will always be obedient to the call of God in our life. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, the lead pastor or maybe if you feel insignificant. I want you to understand you are not insignificant to the kingdom of God. Becky shared about serving low capacity leadership when you're sweeping floors, right? Like it's like the ones that sweep floors, you're contemplating, do I even have leadership ability? Like at that point, but God in those moments, he's dealing with the heart because he knows that if you will serve him in the insignificant things, then you can serve him in the high caliber essential things that are important to the kingdom. One of the biggest things that I felt like, um, I was committing to do on this trip was whatever seed God put in my hand, I would disperse it to his people. I would leave no seed in my pocket. So what does that look like? That means from the message to the moment I hit the ground. And I told everybody, I said, listen, my church is praying so we cannot fail on this trip. I said, many, many people are praying. So we knew that even in that, in preparation for the trip as the church prayed, that anything and everything we were going to do was going to be successful. But my heart was committed to, to whatever seed God put in my hand, leave it there. And there was two, two moments that, that uh, I had a whole message prepared. I changed the whole thing like 20 minutes before go time. Now, if you've ever done that, it's the most fun, exciting, scary thing, scariest thing you will ever do. I thank God he gives me a topic and he gives me scriptures. Because if he didn't give me that and he says, hey, just show up and good luck, Chuck. It'd be a bad day, right? You know, but every time that God redirects, he also directs. He doesn't redirect you and then doesn't guide you the rest of the way. He will give you whatever you need to be successful in what he's called you to. The scripture actually says, hey, don't worry about what you're going to say or what you're going to do. But in the moment that you need to say it, I will guide you and I will lead you. So we have to understand because the spirit of God lives inside of each of us, we can tap into this life-giving source to give and be whatever we need to be or whatever we need to give in the moment. You know, one of the biggest challenges that I had, I said, man, will they understand what I'm talking about? Will these stories relate? Will these principles relate? You know, all of these things, you know, I even bounced some of the illustrations or some of like, hey, do you guys, one of the jokes I was going to tell was about prison ministry. And I was like, do y'all even have prison ministry here? And one said, oh, no, but we'd like to. And I was like, okay, I better change that joke. Right? Um, talking about Paul and Silas. And I was going to say, man, this was real jail ministry as they worshiped and wasn't going to compute, right? It'd be funny here, but it wouldn't be funny there. So in the little details, God would redirect those things and he would show me how to communicate those things. And um, I really believe that he gave us what we needed to speak life into the church there. Now it's always twofold when you go on a mission trip. How many of you have never been on a mission trip? I'm not talking about going to the grocery store as a mission trip. Talk about a mission trip. How many, raise your hand. How You have never been on a mission trip. Okay, put your hand back down. How many of you have never been on a mission trip, but you have the heart to go? Because I think that's where it starts. You know, that there's a desire, that there's a passion, that 
you know, me and Don and Sarah, and we, we've talked about how missions has changed so much. First, the cost of missions is always expensive, right? You know, uh, the sacrifice is always there. But before, you know, COVID and, you know, all the hostility in Mexico and all of these things, we used to have what we called kind of safe missions. We could go to Mexico. It was safe. It was convenient. You could get the exposure to missions, but you could jump right back on the U.S. side without fear of any danger or, you know, it, it, was, it was fairly safe missions, what has happened today, we have to realize that there is no longer safe missions. There is always risk. There is always sacrifice. There, there is always the what ifs, right? You know, and uh, I know that God has sent Becky and I to Brazil and I have three children. So let me tell you, I was praying, I said, Lord, you can't leave me or you can't, you have, you have to, I got to go back and take care of my children. So nothing can happen to me. You know, Don and Judy, thank you so much for watching our kids while we were gone, enabling us to do that. That is a gift um, that we didn't have to worry about our children. And I think they had fun and we were like, Hey, do you miss us? And it was like, kind of, once they came back home, they really missed us more, but they had a lot of fun. They were, they kind of continued their vacationing while mom and dad were uh, on the mission trip. But, um, I really believe that there is no longer safe missions. I think the other thing that we have to realize, there is also nothing, there's nothing about, you know, I don't even think that there is safe Christianity. You're either gonna fully live for God or you're gonna live conservatively flaky. You're gonna have to make a bold, st and as things progress, as the world gets crazier, it's gonna require more stability of our faith than we have ever had. It's gonna take more obedience and more faith and more trust maybe than we've ever had. We're gonna to have to get out of our comfort zone. We're gonna to have to be obedient to the voice of God. So in, in, in Brazil, I had committed to, you know, whatever word God gave me. There was two times, like I said, I changed the message. Um, there, was, there was one church the, the last Sunday where God was downloading the message and we had just experienced worship and Becky felt like the message was coming across maybe as a reprimand. And I said, that wasn't my heart. But if that's what the church needed, let it be that. Talked about a chair of honor and pre creating a place where the spirit of God is made welcome. And she says, man, I was praying in the spirit the whole time because I didn't know where you were going with us. I said, I didn't either. But the heart wasn't to get a certain result. The goal was to communicate the heart of God for the given situation and allow God to communicate to them what needed to change in their life. Because I said, I, that, I mean, that, that wasn't my goal. Like, that wasn't what, I didn't see it as that. I just was gonna, you know, like, she's like, oh no, where are we going? What is my husband saying? Will we ever be welcomed back? Another message that I shared with the lead pastor said, hey, I'm glad you said that. Because we wouldn't be bold enough to say that. I said, it's okay, if they get mad, I'll go back to the US. But there is a co-laboring in a global kingdom that we have to understand it is bigger than Harvest Time Church. It is bigger than the four walls of this church. And one thing that missions does, it expands your vision. It expands realizing that there is a globe of people out there that need reaching, that need encouragement, that need hope. And my heart is that we, when we, what we've deposited in Brazil, it encouraged them, it strengthened them. You know, a lot of the messages, I got a little bit of feedback I was amazed that it was speaking to some of the struggles they were dealing with. 
Now, I didn't go and assess it first and be like, oh, they're dealing with this. Let me preach that message. Or, ooh, they have this problem. Let me. That wasn't what was happening. I said, Lord, what do they need to hear? Because I know that if God is sending me, he needs me to do something. That was the reality of it. There's many, many people that he could use to go to Brazil, but I believe that he had specifically called Becky and I for a time such as this to go to speak and to encourage and to uplift the church, to hold hands with the other followers of Jesus, to encourage, to uplift, uh, got a chance to, uh, to help with worship, um, one evening, and man, their team was really good, made it really, really easy. Um, I don't know if you guys know what a music director is, but uh, a music director will tell you where to go when you need to do it. So um, we were playing through all these songs, and I said, all I need to know, tell me the song, tell me the key, I'll be okay. But they had a great team. So you were sitting here playing, we're sitting here worshiping. Well, what you don't hear from the receiving end is the Brazilian over there saying, okay, in English, in English now. And we'd sing the chorus and we'd sing the bridge and, okay, okay, back, back to Portuguese, Portuguese twice. And it's like in your ear and you're hearing all this and you're trying to keep your composure because it's really funny hearing all the stuff in your ears and you're just trying to worship and he's yelling in your ear. But it was really easy. Man, guess what? We were in the same spirit. The, the language barrier didn't really matter because the spirit of God and the spirit between the two of us was unified. Played with an awesome team. So it made it real, real easy. I teased them. I said, I've played with rough teams. Y'all's team wasn't rough. It was really easy to follow. But God will give you an opportunity to be a part of great things if you walk in obedience. Um, Becky shared a little bit about how long it had been since we were in Brazil. Probably halfway through the trip, I would just look around amazed that I was back in Brazil. You know, it's like when you're having a dream and then you wake up, but the reality was it wasn't a dream, but it was reality. That the things that we think we may never get a chance to do or that we've ran out of time or that season is over, never doubt the seasons of God. As good as it gets, God can make it better. He can make it more satisfying and he will actually satisfy desires you don't even know you have. Talked about appetite just a little bit. We feed on things that we think satisfy, but they leave us longing for more. Now, those things are good when we are feeding on things of the Spirit or feeding on those things that God calls us to. But man, my heart, I said, Lord, I know that we are giving and we are pouring out. But the thing about missions, you always receive more than you give. And I don't even know what all was deposited in Becky and I's heart. But I believe that just like we scattered seed, seed was deposited in our heart. And I'm believing for whatever God put on the inside of us, that it would continue to grow and develop. Not for our own glory, not for our own church, but for his kingdom's sake. That he would cause all of these things to come out of us. That he would use us as a catalyst. One, one thing that they do in Brazil, that they do better than us. And I told them the other way. They do great at cell groups. Man, they, everybody will go to a cell group. They'll go to your house, they'll go eat, they will fellowship, but they don't show up on the weekends at church. I said, man, we're kind of backwards. I said, everybody shows up on Sundays, but you can't get in a home. It's like, think you're a Jehovah's Witness, they'll turn you away, right? Like It's like we are closed off in our homes. We are isolated in our homes, 
And I just want to challenge you as a church, I think that ought not be. That I think where the catalyst for outrageous, crazy growth is going to happen in the dynamic of our homes. Not just in the dynamic of the weekends, because how many of you know Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday is a lot longer than Sunday? I need that fellowship and I need that relationship. And so, man, I'm praying about all these things. Lord, how do we cultivate that? How do we build that? How do we change that? It is going to be counterculture if we're going to be successful with that. You have to realize that. It's a culture thing. It has nothing to do with like, oh, we would love to do that. And why can't we do it like they do it? It's a, it's a culture shift where we have to actually be counterculture to be just as successful in our homes as we are being on the weekend. The reason meeting at homes is important because our friends that will never step into the church will step into our homes. Now, the danger of inviting people into your homes is they see the real you. Uh-oh. Not just your Sunday best where you, you smile and you got it all together, and, but they see you during the week. They see what you're really made of. They see the, the, maybe the fighting and the bickering between you and your spouse. They see your, your family dynamic when the kids are running and leaving stuff out. You're like, ah, oh, losing your, your religion just for a moment. I mean, they see all of that. But it's important for people to see the real us and be in close proximity to those that we're walking in relationship with on a regular basis, not just a one-time-a-week basis. Right, so... I know that there's going to be things that are different there, that are different here, and, but those are the things that I think about. I say, Lord, how do we grow in that? How do we, come, how do we become better at that? You know, um, it's super funny because there they have disciples. Like, they're like, hey, this is my disciple. It throws me off. It's like, like your disciple? Like, it's like, yeah, these are my disciples. It's like, this is weird. Like, I mean, like, I'm walking around. I got five guys. So, hey, these are all my disciples. Like, for us, it'd be like, cultish like what do we like our culture it just changes but they are really investing in discipleship of growing of mentoring man they're like they're uh their cell group cycle of how they do things is really really cool they have goals of how long they want to meet and then at what point they will separate and become another group but um after somebody has come three times they they assign them a role and responsibility um, there was a lot of structure and method to the madness. It wasn't just chaotic, but there was a lot of invitation, and it was simple. They would, re they would recap the message from Sunday. They would start with an icebreaker. Then they would fellowship, break bread in their homes, and they would just hang out and have a great time. Wasn't over-religious, but there was growth. There was accountability. There was mentorship, um, and each purse, each leader is responsible for the growth of that group. They're also responsible for the members of that group. There was a lot of ownership. Uh, I asked, hey, how many cell groups you have? They have no clue. That's a good thing. I said, does somebody know? Oh, yeah, somebody knows, but I don't know. Um, you know, so I, I think there's things that we can grow in. There's things that we can change. Um, <clears throat> I would ask you, if you have missions in your heart, to begin to pray um, they are, uh, Don and Sarah with Open Door Enterprise, they are praying and they're working towards a trip for next summer. You know, kind of re relaunching, kind of working towards mission exposure, allowing you, if you have a heart to go on a mission trip, you gotta begin to pray now, 
Number one rule, get your passport. Don't be like me. Last minute, I hear God. Now I'm getting my passport, trying to get it expedited. It's not coming in, and I'm freaking out. Did any of you know I was freaking out about my passport? I kept some of you, the ones around me in the office knew about it. I kept it on low wraps because I was like, man, do I tell people I'm going to Brazil or not yet? Because I don't have my passport. No passport, no go. Right? And in faith, I guess I could have said, I'm going to Brazil and hopefully my passport will come in. But I didn't say, and that's probably why you're like, man, you, this isn't this kind of fast? I wasn't going to say nothing until that passport came in because you got to have it. But you got to have your passport if you want to do missions work, if you want to go on a trip. I mean, you can get your passport card to go to Mexico, but I, that's what I did. Dummy move. I got my passport card. Passport card won't take you to Brazil. It'll take you to Mexico. All the same work. So if you can fund it, get your passport, okay? I'm just let you learn from my mistake there. Um, plan ahead. Believe God to provide the seed that you have need of. Um, man, God was really faithful to Becky and I on this trip that we had the seed necessary to do all of the things that... Uh, he called us to do, but with that seed, what do you do with it, right? Do you, uh, do you keep it in your pocket or do you sow it? You know, I mentioned, you know, getting all the seed in the ground, right? <laughs> One thing I did, I don't know if this is the best idea or not. I don't really like to do this, but I did this. We came back with no cash, just our debit cards. Left all of the cash there. Now, part of my mission spirit is like, man, I sure would like to at least have a $100 bill in my pocket because if my card don't work, now what? But as soon as we landed in Houston, I said, man, it's going to be all right now. I can phone a friend. I can do whatever. But we put all of that seed in the ground. We wanted to bless the church. We didn't want to be a burden. You know, we were blessed to stay with uh, Marillo and Laura and be there with baby Arielli the whole time. They drove us everywhere. We wore that little baby girl out. She went everywhere with us. I'm sure when we left, she slept the full three days that we left. Because if we were tired, I know she was tired, but she was a trooper. So it was, it was an honor and a privilege to work with them. As a church, we support Marillo and Laura monthly as a church. So to be able to work with them. to Now, I, I don't know what they do when we aren't there, but they worked hard when we were there. So I'll let them vouch for that. But Marillo, he's doing a lot of good work. You know, he's actually working alongside one of the, uh, kind of like an associate pastor working alongside him. God has given him favor. He's given him success in cell groups. He's multiplying. He has many disciples, <laughs> as, he, as he tells me, which is so funny. Um, it's just, just not a word we use, but when you go in obedience to God, you should always expect great things. You should always expect great things. And I think a lot of times in our limited capacity of understanding the goodness of God, um, sometimes we will reduce how good we think God is. I can tell you from a lifetime of serving God that he just keeps getting better. You will never be unsatisfied serving God. There'll be moments of uncertainty. There'll be moments of fear. There'll be moments of looking at the little bit of seed in your hand and saying, Lord, if you don't multiply this, I can't meet the need. But then that little bit of seed that he places in your hand, if it will be, if it will be sown in faith, you can see it multiplied. You can see it accomplish the purpose for which you sent it. I believe that uh, each of us, now I know a lot of times in American culture, um, we specify what we're called to, right? We have people say, oh, well, I'm called, I'm a youth pastor. Oh, well, I'm a worship leader, or I, I work with children. One thing that, that God has really always done in Becky and I's heart, you know, and it works because we're pastoral, 
We don't care about the age. We don't care about the demographic. We love people. So if I need to do children's ministry, I'll do children's ministry. If we need to do youth ministry, we'll do youth ministry. Preaching, teaching, whatever it is. Because I really believe God's heart is for all age groups. From the youngest to the oldest, right? That, that he loves them all. Um, you know, the, the first day we got there, we did like a v, two VBSs. Tell me to tell you what, I didn't take no shoes for VBS. And they got red dirt there. I washed my nice white shoes. I didn't wear them today, but they actually, thank God, they came back. I thought I was going to have to go buy another nice white pair of Adidas. But I wore some boots, and I was scrubbing those boots. And like, so right out of the gate, we did a VBS. I had no clue we were going to do a VBS. Um, but uh, they, were, they were trying to play American baseball. That is the hardest thing to explain. So I told them, just hit the ball, run to that first base. If the ball gets there before them, they're out. If they get there before the, if they get there before the ball, they stay on the base. Well, do they keep running? Well, if the ball's still a long ways away. Well, how do they score? Well, they got to go all the way around and get to that plate right there. Okay. Now, it was cool at first because nobody could hit the ball. Man, but I'm talking, man, there was two times they knocked fire to that ball and we're playing, and they don't understand, like, I'm going to stand this way to hit the ball this way. They're wide open stance like this. So we're playing right here, but all the little kids VBSing it over here. Man, there was two that they launched. I'm like, dear God, we're going to kill a kid. And it goes, man, it missed them each time. I think one kid got hit in the ankle. <laughs> he learned, he didn't, no, nobody had gloves, or they had gloves. They didn't really know how to use them. But you know, it's just fun getting to show people and getting them to experience different things. And, you know, you say, you know, was that spiritual? No, but it was connection. Yeah. It was building relationship, you know, and it was inviting them. It was attracting them and doing something that they've never done. God will use normal, everyday things to reach people in your life. Right? It's not over-spiritual. Well, let me bring my Bible and then, I, then, then this will really connect. Find what you do practically and allow that to be the bridge to get to the spiritual. Because what happened after we were done, they all came together. They all heard the Bible story. They gave them food and drink and then they sent them off and then we went and did it again. You know, But um, I think that there's many opportunities to reach people in practical ways. Right? Look at what God has given you a gift to know or how to do. And um, what's harder is communicating how to play baseball through a translator. What do I? They're looking at me and they're mad because I don't understand them. They don't understand me. And I'm like, Rillo, come here. I can't talk to this guy. And he's asking me. And, da, 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 da. and it's just like, okay, everybody listen. And then they just lined up on home plate one pitch. And then they lined up at the you know, pitcher's mound and all of them hit and all of them pitch. And, you know, and I was like, whatever, we're done here. Don't try out for any American baseball teams because it won't be good. But we do practical things in hopes of being able to talk about spiritual things. How does that apply here? Each of us have been given practical things, been placed in strategic places where we can share the love of Jesus with others. So we have to understand that missions is not just global. Missions happens in our backyard, amongst our friends, amongst our coworkers, in our restaurants, all of those things. And uh, um, I'll be vulnerable a little bit this morning. Uh, when I came home, uh, we went to Pizza Hut, and man, I was talking to my son about a lot of cool things, but I felt like I needed to tell the waitress something, and I didn't. God busted me up. He said, so you're going to be obedient to all of the things in Brazil, and then you come home and you're disobedient to what I'm leading you to. Like, right, you know, like deep, 
So I'm like, okay, Lord, I guess I got to go track that lady back down and say, hey, sorry, I missed it. Uh, I was here Friday and I felt like I should have just asked you, hey, how are you doing? Can I pray for you? God loves you. Whatever. I don't know what, I don't even know what that conversation would have turned into. If she would have been a Christian, would have not been a Christian, but I know God was in the details. So in our everyday life, we have to learn to be obedient. Now I've learned, I've learned things really, really well by going for it and hitting a home run. But guess what? We can also learn some things by striking out and missing it. Now hear me, God ain't going to back off if you mess up. He wants to make sure you see where you were disobedient. And the goal is to next time be obedient. Man, you got to make it up in your mind before you get to the situation. Lord, whatever you ask me to do, I'm going to do it, even if it sounds crazy. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to start the conversation. Because all of the things that I saw God do in Brazil, there is no way you can tell me that I can't handle a conversation at Pizza Hut with this lady that God just says, hey, start a conversation. Come on. Like, you know, but what God wants us to do is he wants us, and it's the same thing. Like, I hope today, y'all okay if I don't get to my message, right? I guess if anybody trumps the message, it can be me. And we'll continue next week. But I may get to a little bit of it. We'll see. I'm watching that clock. We'll see how it goes. But um, we take what God is speaking to us here, and then what we do with it after the fact is what matters, Right? It's, being a, it's not just being a hearer of the word, but it is being a doer of the word. It's being obedient to what God is leading you to, not being disobedient. Man, I just, as good as Brazil was, man, I came home and I got me a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit from McDonald's, and I thought I was in heaven. <laughs> now, I'll tell you, I said I was going to eat well. I can't even tell you everything I ate. We put the hurting on the scale when me and Becky got back. We said, we got to do something about this. We at least gained five pounds each. We ate and we ate and we ate and we ate. We ate everything we wanted to eat. We ate all the stuff we didn't want to eat. After we were full, we went to somebody else's house, and guess what? They had more food. You got to try it all. You're in Brazil, right? You know, you got to keep eating, and it's like, Lord, forgive my glutton spirit right now, but I don't want to. It was more out of lack of not wanting to offend somebody than like, here, have some more, you know. But, man, the food is good. The culture is good. You know, one of my favorite things, I love wildlife. I love just, you know, I see God, you know, in all of the details. You know, uh, all the birds that fly around there are exotic birds, like the stuff that gets sold here. You know, um, one of the, we saw the little bitty parrots and the parakeets. They're just flying around wild. Like, you see a blackbird? Oh, they're wearing a parrot, like is what it is in Brazil. We got a chance to, to come across. We heard them, because you can hear them squawking in the trees. Like, one of the first ones we saw was like three wild macaws. And I mean, you might've seen them at the zoo, but in the, in the, in like just in their natural, and these do, you know what I'm talking about? These are big, like without the tail, they're about this big with the tail. I mean, these things are huge, but just going around. And I think God was just marking our week, marking our weeks, just acknowledging his goodness and his favor. I saw three toucans flying in the wild. Can't, you know, I walked out of Murillo and Laura's apartment Shouldn't be no toucans there, but I just walked out, and here goes one right over the top of my head. I was like, God, Lord, you're so good. Just in his creation and what he's doing and, and what he allows us to experience as his people. Now, we have to understand, to experience those things, there's going to be a call. You know, when we look at the passage um, from Isaiah 6, 
we see a process of God refining, of God touching. It says he touched the coal to his lips and he was changed. And his response was, I am, I am a, a, a wicked person among a people of, of, of iniquity and sin. But there is a process that God begins to touch restore, heal, and cleanse. But then at the end of that passage, it says, when he touched my mouth, he said, see, this, this is in, in uh, Isaiah 6, verse 7, it says, with it he touched my mouth and he said, see that this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Now, we have to understand that God works and he gives us the, the moment of, of where he's working in our, our life. And then he asks us a question because I know a lot of times a lot of people disqualify themselves because they feel like they're still getting ready for ministry. Well, just give me a little while longer, Pastor. I'm still reading my Bible. I'm still growing. Do you understand if you don't start now, you will never start? Don't wait to be perfect. God uses imperfected people all the time, but you will grow the most when you are actively being obedient to what he's called you to. Like, don't be passive. Well, I'm just reading my Bible today, Pastor. I got through 10 chapters. Guess what? Put it to work. Get involved in the game. God is gonna do that process of purifying you, but I think throughout your lifetime, there's gonna be areas that you're still always asking the grace of God to work through. But then there's the question. He says, whom shall I send? And the response in that passage is he says, here I am, send me. Some of you have dreams in your heart to go to foreign lands, to reach the faces of the earth. This is, this is, this is the heart of God for the nations. When God puts it there, you won't ever be satisfied with just reaching your own spiritual high, but you will be focused and infatuated with others coming to know the gospel of Jesus. You will be focused on that all people may know. Now, you got to kind of put some details in it because I think like the, the globe is bigger than you think. It's way bigger than Matagorda County. It's way bigger than Bay City. Um, it's even bigger than Houston, right? What, what was the size difference? Do we remember when we looked at that? Sao Paulo? 22 million in Sao Paulo. How big is Houston? 2.2 million versus 22 million. So we think Houston's big. Sao Paulo was humongous, right? But don't so much look at the numbers. Look at the people. Because God cares about the heart. He cares about the people. He cares about the reach. And I think he's asking for people saying, hey, who will be my hands? Who will be my feet to go? Now, the cool thing is, with this trip, even I don't feel like I was raising my hand looking for the opportunity to go. But God in his graciousness called me to go. And that's where the humility and the graciousness of seeing how good God is that he would pick me to go over here and like these big churches, these people that I'm sure are doing a lot of stuff right. Like God needs me to do that. But I believe it's in being faithful in what he has put right before you that he will call you to the bigger things. If you can't be faithful right where you're at, why, will he, why would he promote you or give you more? Why, why would he enlarge your border? Why would he enlarge your reach? And you know, I didn't come as an American, but I came as releasing the authority of God everywhere my feet tread. 
I wouldn't go, nobody know who Snowy Kano is. Harvest Time Church, you should hear them try to say Harvest Time Church in Brazil. Harvest Church, church, church. It's good, man. <laughs> Just give up, right? But we came in the name of the Lord. We were sent because God sent us. They asked me, will you come back next summer for Brazil, to Brazil and bring your whole family? I said, if the Lord leads me to come, I will be there. But we have to be obedient to what God is leading us to, to what God is doing. Um, how many of you have not been obedient because of fear, fearful outcomes? Okay, anybody? You just worry, man. It's like, I like to be conservative. I like to be safe. Uh, zero risk. Uh, my anxiety, my fear. Like, uh, I get nervous just driving in Houston, much less going across the face of the earth anywhere. Right? God wants to break that fear. He wants to break those insecurities because he wants you to be radically obedient. Do you realize everything great is on the other side of fear? Or risk? Man, there was risk leaving my kids here. I even told them the number to my safe. I said, where would people need to get if I don't come back? Now, no, that's not what I'm believing for. Believing that, hey, we will accomplish God's will, we will come back. But there is risk. I mean, I'd hate to leave everybody in that predicament, but may God's will be done. But, you know, there was, there was risk. There was, um, you know, my heart stayed here in a lot of ways. I thought about my children every day, even though I think they forgot about their mom and dad. Um, Grace, did you miss us? A little bit or a lot of bit? A lot of bit, okay. Good answer, baby girl. You know, it, it's hard when God leads you one way and your heart is, is so invested. And oftentimes in missions, in worship, in pastoring, I think sometimes we feel like we will come to the end of our capacity. I remember when I was young and uh, we traveled every few weeks. I traveled with Don and he, he, he preached and I led worship. And every single week we would pour our, our hearts out. And, and I would call that rule local missions. It wasn't global missions, but we were going to West Virginia and Philadelphia, New Orleans. We were going to inner city ministry. But we would pour out our hearts. And then after that week, the teams would, would leave and we'd have to do it all over again. And I remember my heart just being stretched. And I said, Lord, this is not worth it. I am laying, I am giving of myself, I am building relationships, and then I don't know if I'll ever see any of them again. It was just like my heart was tearing, and I don't know if it was selfish or whatever, but I felt like that there was a lack of capacity to be what I needed to be over and over and over again when there was such a demand of what God needed us to do to be effective in the lives of those people. But then I learned something. It's not my capacity it's not my ability to keep loving people, but it's God's capacity that he gives us to keep loving and doing all that he's called us to. We should be loving the things that God loves. And we should be hating the things that God hates. So that has been my prayer. I said, Lord, help me fall in love and have passion for the things that you're passionate about. I don't think God is so concerned about big churches as much as he is about the soul stability of people. Right. What good is a full church if 50% are going to hell? I think about that all the time, man. Like, I'm like, Lord, what if, like, 
the churches are full and we looked good and we acted right, but our hearts were far from you. And, you know, all of these things are the heart of God. When we think about global missions, he's concerned about local missions. But I would challenge you, if you're relying on your own capacity today, your capacity will wear out. You will be tired. You will be weary. But if you will rely on the strength of the Lord, day after day, moment after moment, he will rejuvenate your soul. He will rejuvenate your spirit. He will fill up your cup that you can keep pouring out. You know, on that trip, I, I I don't know, seven, eight messages, life groups, church. I don't even know how many times I preached. The itinerary was nuts. So there was three groups of us on that trip. My wife and I, Don and Sarah, and then we had another couple from North Carolina, and we split up. There was times we were together, and uh, we were trying to work through that itinerary, and sometimes we worked as a team. Sometimes we just individually went, and uh, man, that was new for me. Um, A lot of the trips that we have always been on, we have always kind of worked underneath Don and Sarah. Um, This trip was more of a releasing where there was a little bit more equality to where kind of we were charting our own course to where just as much as Don and Sarah were making covenant relationships with them, Becky and I made covenant relationships with them also. To where if we want to go, we don't have to go just when Don and Sarah go, but we have been welcomed in the same way. Like that, Becky was sharing about like that we're all leaders now. I was like, I'm going to Brazil to like preach in Brazil. Like what in the world happened in these 15 years? Because God has done so much growth, he, he's, he's allowed us, he's been faithful in so many ways, and it's like, Lord, I guess if you see us so fit to do that, we'll do that. But it's just mind-boggling what God can do over the course of time. Think about your life just for a moment. Now, I hope you're not at the same place you were 15 years ago. If you were, you got to get moving, because time is short, and uh, you want to live your best life now, not get to heaven and be like, Lord, well, you know, I had great high hopes of doing great things. Just never got around to him. Like, think about it though. Like, in the last 15 years, hopefully there has been exponential growth. There has been some, you know, maybe some conservative moves, but I hope your life is kind of like tattered with some, some radical God moves where you saw God be faithful and you, you've seen God be good to you. And, you know, you've just seen his faithfulness, but you have been radically obedient. I hope that's what your life is full of. Now, we're all at a place right now. Now, some of you would be like, I'm ready to go on a mission trip right now. I don't know how to do it, but I want to do it. Right? We can't change the past. Coulda, shoulda, woulda, wish I woulda. Right? You know, like, you can't do any of that. But right now, you can determine what you are going to do as you go forward. I can tell you that if you follow God, it's not always going to be convenient They will require some sacrifice, but man, the ride is awesome. You know, it's like a roller coaster. You ever been on, I got any roller coaster riders in here? I got anybody that rides them, but they are fearful of life to ride them, but they do it anyway. When you go click, 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 and you're getting to that high point, Grace knows great. Grace rode a huge roller coaster. She went from the little cheese ball rides, that's what I call it, to the big, big dog ride. And then click, 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 click. She got off that ride and her eyes were that big. And uh, she says, it was scary, but it was fun, but it was more fun than scary. (laughs) Like, that's what following God is like, you know? You're at that point where you're going, okay, God, click, 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 click. I know you got me. Click, 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 click. Is this seatbelt buckled in? Click, 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 click. I hope I'm not going to die. Click, 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 click. And then you go over that edge and you know God's got you and you're not going to die, but you might feel like it. 
You know, all of those emotions, all of those excitements, but at some point, if you will just let go and you will enjoy the ride, you will see the goodness hand of God all around you. If Becky and I can go to Brazil and God sees us as qualified, I want you to know that he sees you as qualified. There's nothing special about us. Now, one thing we've committed to do is be radically obedient. Whatever God wants to pinpoint, whatever God wants to do, whatever God wants us to deal with in our own heart, we're going to do it. And we're also going to be obedient. Like, man, I tell you about taking all my kids, first thing I think about is the, is the paycheck of how much it's going to cost to get there. Just because that's how I'm wired. But if God says go, God will provide seed for us to be able to go and for us to be able to do all the things that are in his heart for my family. But as a, as a husband and wife, if we can be obedient to what God calls us to, we can also be obedient to the things that God calls our children to. Because just because Becky and I have been called, we have to understand that our children have also been called with great purpose. A lot of who we are is because of exposure. You know, we were thinking, I was talking to Don a little bit about all the things that Becky and I have had the privilege to be exposed to. Some good things, some bad things. We've learned a ton of stuff along the way. But God uses all of the past to allow us to be successful in the present and in the future. Just because you're in a hard spot now, learn and see what God is showing you in that moment so that you can move forward and be and do all that God has called you to be. Amen? I got any of you here this morning that have kind of been really being conservative, but you got some renewed strength in you this morning to all of a sudden get a little bit of drive in your step and move forward a little bit with the things of God? I hope so. I hope you're like, oh, I think so. Because God's going to call you to do great and extraordinary things, but it requires obedience. Obedience. Um, what else, Lord, do I need to share? It's going to be a heck of a message to preach next service. Uh, <laughs> um, I really believe if, God, if you have in your heart to go do something, it's not there by accident. And it will never go away. You can ignore it for a long time but you will always be drawn back to what God is calling you to. I remember when I worked at STP, I was there for about seven years, seven and a half years, working security out there, sitting my life away, contemplating all my life choices and asking God, Lord, will I ever do full-time ministry again? I felt like there was something more than just staring at a fence that wasn't going nowhere. But all along the time, God was really maybe preparing. You know, we were raising kiddos and it wasn't the season I wanted. But even those seasons that we don't want come to pass and the season we've been waiting for arrives. So I don't know where you're at today, what your season looks like. If you're at a season where you're saying, Lord, I can stay here for a long time because it's good. Or maybe you're in a season where you're like, Lord, come on. I'm done with this season, Lord. I'm ready for something else. Can you stand up with me? But whatever season you're in, will you realize that God is in that season? He's either doing something in you or he's needing you to do something. 
That's what I've learned. He's either doing something in your own heart or he's using what you've previously learned to be influential or impactful in that next season of your life. When God comes in and he changes us and he purifies and he works in our life, there is a, there is a commissioning and there is a going forward and there is, there is, you know, we weren't born without a purpose. You gotta realize that. And it's not just the American dream. It's not just to have big stuff and nice houses, big boats, big trucks. And, you know, you don't understand how many times Murillo brought up my big truck in Brazil. He said, man, if I had that truck here, I was like, yeah, if you had that truck here, you couldn't park anywhere. You don't understand. You ain't going to back that in the little... It's like, nah, you got to go park over there in more acreage because there's no way. But I think we can get so focused on focusing on the American dream or what our culture says success is that we will miss the plan of God for our lives. And you know how good it felt to be able to leave all my money there that I took, that I felt no need to have to keep it because of lack. And then I come home and I look at my bank account like, dear God, there's still more money in there. That God's faithfulness, even in the act of obedience, that his provision will not only be enough for me, but enough for others. And if you will invest in the kingdom, it will always produce great reward. You may not be able to gain anything or see what it's doing here, but when you get to heaven, it talks about a heavenly reward where we, where we kind of build crowns in heaven rather than crowns here on earth. I think what's going to be mind-boggling is realizing what that seed deposited actually accomplished. I remember uh, when I was a child, my dad used to plant a lot of trees and over the course of time, went back to the rent house. And I remember looking at that tree, a tree that I remember my dad planting. And instead of like, man, that's, now it's like this. Holy smokes, this thing is like out of control with growth. Kingdom seed has the same potential. But if I hold that seed in my hand and I don't invest that seed, I don't give that seed, I don't send that seed, or I take the seed with me to a foreign land and I get it in the ground, it will never produce a kingdom harvest. So today, I'm just going to ask you, if God asks the question, who will go? Now, that may be to your workplace. That may be to your family. That may be back to that friendship that was broken because of indifference. But whatever God leads you to, how many of you this morning, if God asks you, hey, who will go? Who will be my voice? Who will be my hands? Who will be my feet? How many of you radically in this room? Now, don't just lift your hand because like everybody's lifting their hand. But you would really say, Lord, by the grace of God, I will go. Can you lift your hand up? Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for each one that lifted their hand. In radical obedience to what you've called them to. Lord, I thank you that mission starts here. It starts right where we're at. And Father, I pray that whatever you lead us to do, whatever you stir in our heart, God, that we would be radically obedient to what you've called us to. Lord, I thank you for the blessing that you've been this far. And Father, I thank you for the blessing that you will continue to be all the days of our life. Everybody that said Christianity would be easy lied. 
God, it is so worth it. And what we get to experience and what we get to do and who we get to know. So Father, as we go from this place, I ask that you would be our hands and feet, that you would allow us to be impactful right where we're at as we're all missionaries, first here and then to all the places of the earth. So we go from this place, go with us. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like to know more about our family, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash HTC Bay City or find us on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.